Lord, is this the time when you will restore the kingdom to Israel? This is the desperate question of the apostles when they realized that the Lord they love and lost, who came back to them, was leaving again. When the trauma of crucifixion had passed and the shock of resurrection had sunk in, they confronted a new twist in the story of their journey with him. Jesus was leaving them again. He would ascend to the Father. Where does that leave them? We can hardly blame them. After all, we know what happened after. We know what happened to them and because of them. But they were living it in real time and living through it in a harsh, brutal environment of occupation, violence, and poverty. No one had ever experienced what they were about to experience. Lord, is this the time when you will restore the kingdom? Is this the time when you will fulfill our dreams of controlling our own destiny, of living according to the covenant in the land you gave us? We've been expecting it for hundreds of years. Indeed, God's people have always been looking toward the fulfillment of God's promise, of freedom from bondage, of a land of milk and honey, of a covenant community based in love. Like Abraham and Sarah, like Moses, like the exiles in Babylon, we are an expectant people, always looking ahead, anticipating the fulfillment of a promise. Jesus' followers are heirs of this expectation, and so are we. Yet time and time again, we look for that fulfillment in social and political structures that are, let's face it, too small for God's promise. Lord, is this the time when you will restore the kingdom of Israel? Jesus' answer to them and to us is not what we want or expect to hear. He basically tells them three important things about God's kingdom. It isn't for you to know when or how God will establish the kingdom. The power you are expecting will not come from political or economic dominance. It will come from the Holy Spirit. And your role is to be witnesses to the power of the Spirit in ever-widening circles, from Jerusalem to Judea, to your so-called enemies in Samaria, and to the entire world. As much as the disciples loved Jesus and wanted to carry forward his message of love, this new understanding of the kingdom was radical and like nothing they had ever seen before. And yet they were to be witnesses to the whole world about it. It is much more comfortable to recreate the kind of kingdom that has already existed, maybe even a nicer version of the one you live in now. But that's not what Jesus tells them. That is not the promise. They were focused on how the kingdom would be structured, who would be in charge, how power would be allocated and wielded, what the rules would be. 
But Jesus was pointing them away from structures and toward the content of the kingdom, which is love. The bonds of community that we have between us and that we have with God. The theologian Willie James Jennings puts it this way. The prevailing fantasy of people is to have power over others, to claim the power of self-determination and to make a world bow to its will. This is the fantasy of nations and clans, peoples and corporations. But the Spirit offers us God's own fantasy of desire for people, of joining and life together, and of shared stories bound to a new destiny in God. The disciples are to make evident divine desire, reveal it to be the central gift of the Spirit. We have seen this struggle play out over and over. Despite the witness of generations of Jesus followers, there have been calls for an earthly kingdom ever since. A couple of centuries after Jesus told the apostles they'd get spiritual power from the Holy Spirit, the church received political and military power from the Roman Empire and carried the cross before armies. In the many years since, church leadership and national leadership have been intertwined or even fused together in various places and times. The church colluded with governments and monarchs to extend power around the globe, usually in brutal ways. Under the guise of bringing the love of Christ, they brought war, disease, and oppression. Today, the message of Jesus is important for us to hear as we face calls for Christian nationalism, both in our own country and others. In some ways, it's an understandable longing of people to control their destiny and have a way to organize themselves that is based on faith and values. But there's a big problem with Christian nationalism. It's grounded in ideas that are antithetical to the desire of God. First of all, nationalism of any kind is the belief that humans can and should be divided into distinct groups based on shared traits that are different from the traits of other groups. Second, that these nations should promote and protect their identity to the exclusion of others. And third, Christian nationalism in particular says that the national identity is grounded in faith in Jesus Christ and that the government should take steps to keep it that way, using force if necessary. These characteristics fly in the face of what Jesus taught and his final message before he ascended to the Father. It is not for you to know the times or periods that the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. You might actually find a good summary of this teaching in the hymn we sang, 603. Nationalisms of all kinds are contrary to the mission of God that all people share the trait of being created in God's image. 
and God longs for all of us to live in community. It is not the mission of the church to create divisions among people. And while I'm guessing that most of us don't support this kind of nationalism, it's helpful to remember that for us, these movements, no matter what they are called, are not Christians. Jesus is not a tool for promoting national identity. Jesus did not create disciples who would focus inwardly on their own political power. Jesus is sending disciples out into the world as witnesses to a different kind of power, the power of the Spirit. The only Christian nation there will ever be is the kingdom of God. It is a gathering of people from all nations. It unites people. It requires love, generosity, and going outward, not power, control, and pulling inward. God's love is not constrained by the boundaries we create between people. God's love pulls us together in a different way, by breaking open the things and the places we want closed. Lord, is this the time when you will restore the kingdom to Israel? Jesus shows them and us that the kingdom is bigger than we can imagine. Start where you are, he tells us. Make God's presence known here. Then go from where you are to other places where you're comfortable. Then go to the people you despise who make you uncomfortable. And then to people you don't know at all who are very different from you. This is the very opposite of nation building. It is kingdom building. It is the mission for which the Holy Spirit has empowered us. Amen. <laughs>